Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 82 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Summary of the Book of Revelation, Part 17, Chapter 6, The Green Horse. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Good morning, class. I've been called a lot of things, but none of them started with an R. We're so glad you're here and that you're with us at our online. I don't know, ever since this week with Israel, I've had a um, such an unnecessary feeling down in me with what's going on in the Middle East. And I did get a text uh, from Dan Hanselman and his wife Jackie last night, and it just said, arriving, arriving in Athens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been there probably a week or so, and they kind of just got caught right in the fray of it all. But they did get out of there, which is a is a good thing. And uh, But we see that, I don't know, it's, I have talked with some people and they don't feel like it's just another day. But I'm here to tell you today, this is not just another day. This is not just another day. This is huge, this is big. It is world changing, what is happening right now in Israel. And it's also very uh, prophetic and biblical of what we see happening. It's kind of like we have, I don't know, I'm trying to figure it out, not that I can, but it's, you know, it seems like we've got two groups worldwide. You have what we would call the woke agenda or the globalist agenda, which I'll hit on that just a little bit. Then you have another group that's more like China, Russia, the Middle East. They're not part of the globalist agenda. They don't pay any attention to it. When they get up in the morning, they, you can say climate change to them, and they're like, climate what? So we've got two huge groups on the planet. One's a globalist-type agenda, or the woke agenda, I call it mentality, that type of... It's kind of like we've got a yuppie group, which I call the globalist, and then we've got another group out here that is just thinking about controlling the earth. Both of them want to control the earth. One's dark, and one's, another one's darker. But to think that everybody on the globe is globalist would be wrong. You have a globalist agenda, which is a lot of, it's more of your elite type and that tend to academia driven. And then you have this other group that is more, it's like I say, China and Russia. We know that biblically that they're going to combine, come together with Iran, they're going to come down on Israel. That's what we know. And so when we see these things happen in Israel, it's all driven through Iran, which is supplied by Russia. So we see, we see all these things coming together that are tremendously biblical. And it is because I have taught about it uh, for years, I really believe it. I really believe what I'm reading with these things. And so for this last week, I have had a feeling down in my spirit like I've never had before. I've got a feeling going on in me right now that I've never had. I'm not really, I'm trying to identify it. I'm not really sure what it is. But anyway, maybe I'll get 10 emails today telling me what it is. That'll totally be welcomed. I'll get help. Okay, now we're going to see if my PowerPoint works. I was finishing up my slides, and I picked up something. And my slideshow, it shut it down, threw them out. It was, it was, you know, one of those disastrous things. Like everything crashed, my whole computer went out. So we're going to see how much of what I prepared is here as we go forward. Of course, that was just, that's just the picture of the four, horse, four horsemen. First one, a white horse. Second one, red. Third one, black. The fourth one is called a livid, or that's actually a light green. Yeah, we're going to cover that. Actually, I covered it two weeks ago. So we got these four horsemen, 
And the first horseman is a white horse, and we also have a fifth horseman, which will be our the Christ coming on a on a white horse. And if I can get through these dark horses, I want to jump into the white horse before we leave these uh, this concept. Now I'm quickly going to go over. This is just we haven't talked on this in uh, two weeks now. It's talking about the four horsemen. They're basically evil spirits of the unnatural world and their revelations of the spiritual world. I went over early American history with Abraham Lincoln. He worked very hard to prevent attempts of the Rothschilds to involve them in the financing of the Civil War. You can go back in the last several teachings and get that understanding actually three weeks ago. Now, Lincoln, I I remind you, he had this warning to the American people. The money power preys upon the nation in time of peace and conspires against it in times of adversity. It is more despotic than monarchy, more insolent than the autocracy and the selfish bureaucracy. I see in the near future a crisis approaching that unnerves me and causes me to tremble for the safety of our country. Now, watch this. Corporations have been enthroned an era of corruption will follow, and the money power of the country will endeavor to prolong its training by working upon the prejudices of people until the wealth of the aggregated in a few hands of the republic is destroyed. The idea here is that this money equals power, and the accumulation of this money equals power, and it's easily to be done in huge, in big, huge corporations. That was Abraham Lincoln. And what happens, I'm sure everyone here understands what a co-op is. A co-op is, is where the members of an organization or a company, that the members own the company, but then what happens is you, you have to hire a corporate structure to run the co-op. Well, what happens to most co-ops is that the governmental group, if you will, or the corporation, it starts living unto itself. And so the corporate structure of the co-op, corporational part that runs the co-op, which is individual members, starts taking on a life of itself. In other words, they start, they get big raises. They protect their territory. Say, I'm in the corporate structure of a co-op, but everything that I legislate and do in the co-op is protecting me, getting me more money. We're taking more money from the members of the co-op and putting into the corporate structure so we live higher than the members. Are you with me? That's what the United States is. We're a co-op of people. And then we've got a federal government, which is our governing body of our country. The problem is it's inherited that in a co-op, that the governing body of that co-op tends to be corrupt when a company gets so big. And it just so happens the United States is a bigger company than Monsanto. But Monsanto is big enough that the corporate part goes corrupt. We just need to understand concept, it's okay. But for some reason, when something gets too big, it corrupts as far as organizationally wise. And so that's the downfall of our system of government. Our system of government is built that way. Concept, it works. In reality, over a period of time, just like a co-op of, you can, there's all kinds of co-ops, but it's the same, same concept, the same problem. The corporate part of the co-op starts living unto itself. And I don't care what you say, there's very few people that go into our government broke, don't come out with a lot of money. It's just very few people. Now, there are some, and they're not making it off their salary. So you have to say, well, how's this, how's this happening? 
So we have this corrupt side uh, that's going on, on in our globe, in America, and uh, Abraham Lincoln was well aware of that, and he, there have been people in our political structure that understands it and, and says it. Jesse Helms, I don't know if anybody's old enough in here to remember him, but Jesse Helms was one of those that was constantly fighting for what Abraham Lincoln was saying. Jesse Helms, every year that he was in office, is the only uh, senator. He called for an audit of the Federal Reserve System, which is yet not, it's never happened even to this day, uh, an audit of the Federal Reserve. And he called for it every year and couldn't get enough votes to get it done. The Federal Reserve, it comes as a shock to many to discover that it's not an agency of the United States government. I went over that. We'll not do it again. The four horsemen here, this third horseman, the black horse, says he opened the seal. I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked on the black horse and he had a set of scales. We went over that and you see in red down there, I had part of this is about high inflation, a day's wages. I went over the inflation, how it worked a few weeks ago. Black is often connected with famine, and there was the example in Scripture about how bread was done by weight, indicating the symbol of the scales. And here they say a quart of wheat for a denario, and there was that's a day's wages. In other words, you'd have to work a day just to get a loaf of bread. There it says three quarts of barley. Why is that? Barley is not worth as much as wheat, and you can do the math, and you can see about Today's market is still the same way. It's amazing. What is inflation? It's an increase in the amount of currency in circulation resulting in a relatively sharp and sudden fall in its value in rise in prices. A lot of people say, well, what I'm buying now is going up in price, so that's what's causing inflation. That is not causing inflation. It is the results of inflation. Higher prices is not inflation. It's the result of inflation. Inflation is when you water down, the inflate sounds bigger, but it's bigger money, but you're watering down the potency. You know, if you put water in orange juice, you ever try to make your orange juice go further? You know, first thing, it's weaker. Same thing happens to the dollar. The more you put in it, the weaker it gets. It's just, that's just the way it works. Now, I want to move quickly. I have some stuff I'd like to cover. The Bible instructs us not to be ignorant of, day, of Satan's devices in this day that we're living, 2 Corinthians, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, I heard a preacher say one time the greatest denomination on the planet is called ignorant brethren. And Paul here is saying he, it's not necessary that we're ignorant. We can put our head in the sand, but the Bible encourages us to study these things out and, and not be ignorant about them. About not only not be ignorant about the Bible, but not to be ignorant about Satan's devices. And Ephesians 6.12 says, of course, that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers. Now let's get into the green horse or the levied horse it's called by when the lamb broke the fourth seal. We know we got these seven seals. This is the fourth seal. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, I looked, and behold, a pale horse, ashen or a pale horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. Now this horse had a name Death and Hades. You followed him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and famine and with pestilence and by the wild beast of the earth. Now we see there is the, it's called a pale. There's the Greek word. It's a ghastly, a ghastly green, it's called. 
Now we can see that we got famine, pestilence. We got these things happening here with this horse. I'm going over just, just, just a little overview of it, but I want to get into specifics and I don't have but 30 minutes to do it. Got a world population of say 8 billion, world hunger, 795 million, or one in nine people in the world do not have enough to eat today. That was way down five years ago. Now it's going back up. Women and children, 60% of the world's hunger are women. Nearly half of all deaths in children under five are attributable to undernutrition. This translates to a loss of about 3 million young lives a year. Poverty, 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. Now Matthew 24, 7 says this, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, it says, pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Now, how do we get a famine? I'm a farmer, and I'm involved in a lot of these topics in my life. And a famine can be caused by uncontrollable weather conditions, which that's usually what we're thinking about in famine, such as drought or flood, which disrupts the ability of a culture to raise crops or livestock. That is what we typically say is a famine. But famine is also the result of warfare. We can see that now in Ukraine. Uh, since the ravages of war disrupt the daily ongoing economic processes of a community vital to food production. We know that's happening or has happened in the wheat production. It's so amazing to me how quickly, though in some of these food productions, how we can shift it from one place to another. It's just amazing, even with the food chain disruptions that we've had, how the farmers of the earth, even though some are are now being destroyed, how quickly they uh, respond. What is notable about the 20th century is that most famines have been caused either deliberately or by economic systems crippled by corrupt or dictatorial government. So we can see when you have a dictator in place, most of these famines even today are created by man. Can you hear what I'm saying? Most of the famines are created by man. And if we're getting smarter, it's not showing up in our food system. So keep that in mind. This is significant in that the famines are not caused by nature or by inability of a people to produce or gather food, but by the policies of governments looking out for their own self-centered interests, which make it impossible for the people to cope with nature together and produce food. There's two things that are very manipulative when it comes to political strategies, and one is all, the other one's food. There's two things. And so they are used as political manipulative strategies, if you will, food and all. Keep that in mind as we move forward. Jesus warns us against the sign of His coming. Matthew 24, for nations rise against nation, against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, or diseases, and earthquakes in various places. Now, just like all famines are not created by floods, and most famines are man-made. Well, in Scripture, we're going to see that most diseases will be too. You're welcome. Now, this is not going to be a teaching. If you don't like where I've started, you need to leave now because she's going downhill. (laughs) I'll just warn you, okay? And I'm going to get through this black horse, and I'm going to get to the white horse, okay? There are better days ahead, but today's not it. My job is to, that you'll not be called ignorant brethren at New Life, okay? Now, in Revelation 6 and Matthew 24, Revelation 6, this is just a quick comparison. Matthew 24, uh, we have white horse rider in six. So we have false Christ as the parallel verses for the white horse, red horse in six, three, and four. 
wars and 24, 6, Matthew 24. This is comparing Revelation 6 and Matthew 24. Black horse famine compares with famines in Matthew 24, 7. Pale horse, a 6, 7, and 8. Death, 24, 7, and 8. Martyrs in 6, 9 through 11 of Revelation 6. Martyrs 24, Matthew 24 and 9. It's just, it's just, you're talking probably 80 years separate from one writing to the other. Worldwide chaos, and we see that also the same thing here. Now, as was mentioned, these horse colors are in the flags of these Muslim countries, which you can say is a coincidence or not. I don't know. Chuck Misler, this is off of his, he points this out and he has a kind of a teaching on that. It's very interesting. Showing how that these Middle Eastern countries that now you got to understand all of these countries are around Israel. And it is interesting that their colors and their flags represent these four horsemen. (laughs) I'm sure coincidence. Okay. Seven Muslim nation flags are the same colors. Okay. So here we got these uh, four horsemen. Now let's go into verse 7. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, an aspen or a pale horse, and he who sat on it had death. Hades was following with him. Authority was given to him over the fourth part of the earth. Now just keep that in mind, the fourth part, to kill with the sword and famine. Now you got death and Hades or hell. Now death is unto the body, and Hades is where the soul would go. So the reason is speaking unto two ideas here. Death claims the body, Hades claims the soul. Now we're going to look at this real quickly. With Hades, is one, one, it's rendered 31 times Old Testament as the grave, and the reason is talking about the physical body, which we will be getting a new one. It's rendered hell 31 times as a place of disembodied uh, spirits, and we know that that happens, and I think I got a few verses about how the angels flood disembodied spirits. It is the abode of the souls of the wicked dead is another Old Testament. It's called Sheol. And in Hades, as a Greek, it is associated with uh, Orcus, the infernal regions, a dark and dismal place in the depths of the earth, receptacle of disembodied spirits. So Hades, and you get into the Greek, is the equivalent to uh, Sheol. It has two divisions, is where we see this, Elysium and Tartarus. Now, what this is saying here is the, it shows that there's a division, if you will, in Hades. And a lot of you are aware of that. I'm going to put this in there here to remind you so it makes more sense where we're going here. So uh, Hades and hell, a part of Hades was called paradise. That's in Luke 23, 43. There's a side of that. There's another side called Abraham's bosom in Luke 16, 22, just taking the words that are out of the scripture, which is paradise, Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham's bosom is in the heaven, according to Matthew 8 and 11. Now, here's another one. Gehenna is also used as Hades. It just so happens, though, that Gehenna is a deep, narrow ravine in the south side of Jerusalem. If you go to the last part of Isaiah, you'll see that as Jesus is ruling and reigning in Jerusalem, you can go outside of Jerusalem and you can look into hell. It says you can look in there and you can see into hell. And actually, when there's instantaneous judgment, if you, get, if you do the big one, then they'll take you over and they'll actually throw you in that pit. And that happens. It's just it's in the Bible. I can't make it pretty. It's just what it says. But there was also a, a place called Gehenna right outside of Jerusalem. Here, the idolatrous Jews offered their children in sacrifice to Molech. That's where they did that. You know, it's hard for, even when I read that, it's hard for me. Do you, you mean Israel sacrificed, really, their children uh, to Molech? God's people? 
did that? I mean, when I read these things, it gets hard. It's just like, wow, I, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around it. And of course, you can see this in Second Chronicles 28.3, Jeremiah 7.31, and also chapter 19, 2 through 6. Now, Gehenna, this valley became a, the city dump, actually, of Jerusalem. A fire was continually burning there. It became an idiom for a place of everlasting fire and burning. It is used by our Lord 11 times. And here it is in Matthew 5, 22, 29, 30, chapter 10, verse 28, 18, and 9, chapters 23, verses 15 and 33. This is where he refers to it. So, But when you read it, you'll understand what's actually happening. Also in Mark 9, 43, 45, 47, and Luke 12, 5. Now, let's look at Tartarus right quickly. That part of speaking about, now understand, this is that horse. This is death and hell. This is important information. This is another word translated hell, but only one use in the New Testament. It's in 2 Peter 2, 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. You see that? It is the specific place of incarceration of the angels that sinned. Now, in Jude 1, 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he had reserved in everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment day of that great day. That's the same, that's Tartarus. It's the same place where it's rendered in our Bible as hell. Now, here we got abyss. It's also, it's called the bottomless pit. We know you got, at that time, you had two sides of, the, of hell or of Hades. You had Abraham's bosom. You had the good side of hell and the bad side of hell. And then down below all of that, you had what's called the bottomless pit. It gets worse. That's the reason I say it gets worse. I'll not get into all the bottomless pit stuff, though. This is what the, uh, the beast of Revelation comes out of. Is this abyss. Revelation 17, 7, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast, and carrieth her, which had the seven heads and ten horns. And I've actually, of course, I know I'll not get there today, be a week or two, but I actually got a teaching on this verse here. Seven heads, ten horns, the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into uh, perdition. So we see that this bottomless pit, there'll be this beast that comes out of it, and there's some ideas on that one. This is where Satan will be bound for a thousand years. You know, a lot of people think that Satan is everywhere like God, but he's not. He's somewhere. He's not omnipresent. Revelation 21 through 3, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan bound him for, we see there, for a thousand years. Now, we have demon locusts that come out of here. The abyss is also the place from which the demon locusts emerge from. So the bottomless pit, you can see, it's kind of the worst of the worst. It's the preservation of the worst of the worst. Revelation 9-1, the fifth angel sounded. And this is when we get into the trumpets. And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. So as you're reading this, I'm hoping bottomless pit starting to take on a little more imagery to you as you read it. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. It's incredible. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth, and have power. A lot of different ideas of how that works, even to nuclear holocaust, so to speak, locusts being different types of war equipment. Now, 
I want us to look at the underworld here as we were talking about these places. Uh, you have the place of torment that it's called. We know that's the, the bad side of hell until, this was until Christ was crucified, of course. Then you had Abraham's bosom. And then in the middle of it, you had what's called an impassable gulf, it says in the scriptures. And then you had a, what's called the bottomless pit. And so you had, and I will read here in just a second about the rich man, Lazarus, and, and he was in Abraham's bosom, and he looks over at the rich man. He was in the place of torment, and he hollers over there too. And you remember, go get some water for my boy. I'm going to look at that, I think, right quick. That's also called uh, Tartarus. Now, here, here we are with the rich man, Lazarus, and there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and uh, fared uh, stupendously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. There's where the term uh, comes from. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. That's the reason I put it, the place of torment. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So we know we had this gulf in between. He, one was in the good side of hell, which was called paradise. You know, Jesus said to the thief on the cross today, you'll be with me in paradise. You remember that? So when he died, he went down to paradise with Jesus. Jesus was there for three days, and then he grabbed the crowd, and he took it to heaven. I'll show you that in just a minute. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed. There he's given us that information of this gulf between these two parts of hell, if you will. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. You say you couldn't pass. Neither can they pass to us which would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. He said, well, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers or brethren, that he might testify unto them, lest they also come into the place of torment. Abraham said unto him, now this is important, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And of course, Moses and the prophets were the writings of that day. He said, you got the writings. They say, if you're not going to believe them. So we see, we have to be careful. We're always wanting to see what we're calling miracles in front of our eyes before we believe God's in the room. Bad mistake. God's in the room because his word's in the room. Bad mistake. And I, we could do a whole sermon on that, but I think y'all already got it. So here we see, we got Abraham's bosom over here. Jesus was crucified on the cross. He went down, it says, to paradise. He took that one thief on the cross with him. Abraham's bosom, he preached there for three days. He, he told the whole crowd, which was the believers pre-cross were in Abraham's bosom. Pre-cross, you didn't go to heaven. You went to holding tank in hell. That's the reason David said, don't, don't leave my soul in hell. In some of the Psalms, he said, don't leave my soul in hell, God. And so, and he didn't. But this was a good side. It's called paradise. I don't think it was too bad. But in it, nonetheless, Jesus had to go down there and preach to him, tell him what just happened. Hey, I've died. This covers your sin and all that. And so this is what I call the underworld when Christ descended for three days. He went to Abraham's bosom. They still had the place of torment over there, of course. And you still had the, this impassable gulf, it's called, in Luke 16, 26. And you still had the bottomless pit there. But what happened was he preached for three days, and then Jesus took off. He took Abraham's bosom with him. 
up unto the third heaven, it said. And here's what Paul had to say about it, Ephesians 4, 7. But unto every one is given grace according to the measure of gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. In other words, he's saying he got all of that crowd down there and he took them up. And not only when he did that through his Holy Spirit, he, he was saying a whole lot in that verse. He dispersed the gifts to all men. So we want to understand what's actually happening there. I know I'm going quickly, but I must. Then we get into this verse 7 again, which we've already read. I'm not going to reread it. But it says, talks about death and Hades to them over the fourth of the earth to kill. In other words, death and hell. In other words, that means he's going to kill a lot of bodies. He's going to send a lot of souls to hell. All right? That's what that's meaning there. And it's going to be over a fourth of them going to be killed. Well, just stop and ask yourself a question. Usually we don't go beyond that statement. It's okay to ask a question. Well, how will they die? I'm going to look at that. I'm glad you asked that. Now, some of the most dangerous plagues are microscopic man-made through uh, biological terrorism. I'm not going to get into anything that's happened here lately, but to say that some things out here are not man-made, they are. And I'm not here going to tell you which ones are and which ones aren't. I have my suspicions. But I know that there's some out here that are. That's all. I know some of them are. And there again, the question, hey, how, how's a fourth of this earth, which is going to end up being more of that before it's over, but how are, they going to, how are you going to die? How are they going to be killed? We got to understand God's created nature in a way, even though it's falling, we can live with it. But when man starts manipulating, we're in trouble. And that's the world we're living in today. Now, here we look at it. Now, I'm going to use the population control agenda. Most Christians draw up when you talk about, wait, they're not wanting to control the population. Well, keep in mind, how's a fourth of the earth going to die? That's a lot of people. And then it even grows and it's going to be more than that. So you have to ask yourself the question under the biblical concept of how's this horse going to do all this? Well, that's not a friendly horse. And it's a horse that's controlled by man. That's what you got to understand. That's where you, you start considering, I need even some of these diseases and things. I think you're, I know they're man-made. And so let's get into that just a little bit. And just, just hear me out because when you use population control, a lot of people go south on me. It is hard to believe. I agree. It is the fulfillment of this verse. That's what you got to understand. We will look at some of these methods in history quickly. The depopulation agenda understood. Margaret Sanger, how many people know that name? About half of you. Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood. Our tax money finances Planned Parenthood, an organization founded by Margaret Sanger. Uh, here are a few quotes. Its leaders proclaim that they are proud of our past and planning for our future. The necessity of the extermination of human weeds. You're called a human weed. The sensation of charity, the segregation of morons and misfits. And the maladjusted and the sterilization of genetically inferior races. <laughs> Margaret the lady who founded Planned Parenthood. So there's no doubt of how she's thinking. Now, do you think the spirit of Hitler was of God? I'd say not. I'd say he's part of that horse because we know how many Jews that he killed and he was in manipulating races. Okay. There's something interesting about Hitler and Margaret. There's a picture of her. Margaret Sanger published the birth control review of the 1930s. She openly supported Nazi Germany, its infanticide program in the 1930s, and publicly championed Adolf Hitler's gold of the Aryan supremacy. She's a product of that, and she was the one who created Planned Parenthood, which we support, and everybody thinks is, not everybody, a lot of people think it's the greatest thing since peanut butter. 
Now, you've got to understand something. Has anybody ever heard of Operation Paperclip? This is where in World War II that we, the United States, uh, went into Germany and got a lot of the scientists and brought them to the United States to be our scientists. Is, there, is everybody aware of that? You're kind of aware of the army. So we thought it was a good idea to get all that intelligence and bring them into the United States. Is that smart? That's the same crowd that was killing people, right? So anyway, I don't, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Prior to World War II, she commissioned Nazi Ernest Rudin, director of the dreaded German medical experimental programs to serve as advisor to her organization. Planned Parenthood, United States, us now. <laughs> this is your foundation. In the book, Killer Angel, George Grant chronicled the life and writings of Margaret Sanger, including her plans for genetically engineering the human race. as her plan. This Planned Parenthood, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Okay. Margaret Sanger's book, The Pivot of Civilization, called for the elimination of human weeds because it prolonged the lives of the unfit. She called for the segregation of unfit and prohibiting them to reproduce. Sounds like somebody had won over my program. Now, has anybody ever heard of the Negro Project? Now, this just, this breaks my heart. I'll be honest with you. It just breaks my heart. This is just one example of fulfilling uh, this Planned Parenthood ideology, if you will, what was going on there. And I, you know, there again, my job this morning is to, you te check out everything I'm saying. Don't take my word for it. But we need to, I don't want us ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, the Negro Project, 1939, Margaret Sanger organized a Negro Project designed to eliminate members of what she believed to be inferior, an inferior race. This is true. She justified her proposal because of masses of Negroes, particularly in the South, still breed carelessly and disastrously with the result that the increase among Negroes, even more than among whites, is from that portion of the population less intelligent and fit. Founder of Planned Parenthood. This same thinking was also applied to the American Indians, anybody they thought was unfit. She then went on to reveal that she intended to hire three of the four colored ministers to travel, and this is a quote, travel to various black enclaves to propagandize for birth control. She said, we do not want word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population, and the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. Now, you've got to understand something. Satan knows how to control a country is through the ministers that are in the pulpit. And if there's any ministers listening to me today, you need to understand that. Satan's after you. He's after you to water down the truth. He's after you not to stand. He's after you to make gray areas. Well, this is a, the reason is Satan knows this is the big deal. You might think you can get Washington and you got the country. I got news for you. You get the ministers of this country and you've got the country because you've got this, the spiritual anointing that goes with that of persuasion. And, Mar and they knew that, and that's what they did. As Margaret Sanger's organization grew, she wrote of the necessity of targeting religious groups for destruction as well, believing that this genetic graces should include fundamentalists and Catholics in addition to blacks, Hispanics, and American Indians. You see, it just once you get that thing going, they just kept going with it. As the years passed, Sanger became increasingly obsessed with occult beliefs and hostile to Christianity and the American precept of individual freedom. Can you see that? We are feeling and sealing the results of this. That's what you're feeling. That's what you're seeing is the results of this. And, and we're talking back pre-World War II. 
and then World War II came, and then we just imported what they had here, and we're just, well, anyway, I've said enough. Her distaste for America is evidence in her writings. Birth control appeals to the advanced radical because it is calculated to undermine the authority of the Christian churches. I look forward to seeing humanity free someday of the tyranny of Christianity, no less than capitalism. That's the quote from her book. Abortion was and is used as a tool to depopulate the earth of people and for people groups by the world's elite. Birth control through Planned Parenthood was first, the idea first with it was to kill blacks. That's what it's for. And poor whites. Because I can't, you can read her books and see what her ideas were. Her ideas were that the dumb, they'll populate more like rabbits, they'd say, and stuff like that. So we need to get rid of them. So the whole thing of, of an abortion under Planned Parenthood, quote, connect any dots, was to kill in the beginning. Of course, it was blacks. And then they're saying, and the truth is, I hadn't seen the latest numbers, but I think today there are more uh, black women having abortions than any other. And the idea there, Planned Parenthood, the other, all for it, you know, but you got to understand the reasoning and how it's sold. You can do your, your own math and you, y'all can think for yourself and think through your files of your mind why everybody tries to sell abortion. But we need to know why we, we're against it. And that's called depopulation of, of the earth. See, Satan is still like Hitler. He's trying to create the superhuman race, like the Aryan nation. Let's get rid of the blacks, get rid of the Indians, and, and let's get rid of the, the poor, dumb whites. I don't, I can see how you kill people by color, but I'm not too bright, but I think I'm smarter than them. So who's going to decide who goes? I mean, you see what I'm saying? And you can tell it upsets me a little bit. I'm trying to really stay calm. Just like Adolf Hitler, Margaret Sanger was a disciple of Theosophy and its founder, Madame Blavatsky. I, I did something on her earlier, about a year ago. Both Sanger and Hitler were involved in the religion that worshipped Lucifer and were energized by the same dark spiritual forces. So we have this idea in academia that there's a neutral zone of no religion. Newsflash, there is no neutral zone. You might persuade yourself there's a neutral zone. No, I'm an atheist. Hoggy washy, I want to sell you a dairy farm. No atheist. Impossible. Impossible. You maybe aren't aware of the religion that you're in right at the moment, but there is no place that there's not religion operating because it's in man. The Lucas Trust, that's what I spoke about to y'all about the Lucas Trust here a while back on how the Lucas Trust is the printing arm of the United Nations and all this sort of mess. Lucas Trust is a prominent modern-day representative of Theosophy and Extension of Lucifer Publishing Company, which is also in the United Nations NGO. It was called Lucifer Publishing. They kept getting a little flack, so they changed it to Lucas Trust. It's the same outfit. Lucifer Publishing Company is the same thing. The original name was Lucifer Publishing. Some flack in 10 years, they changed it to Lucas Trust. Same outfit. It's the crowd that prints material for the United Nations. You feel better now. Lucas Trust was founded by Alice Bailey during the 20th century. Bailey was a disciple of Madame Blavansky and a nominal leader of the Theophostical Society in the early 1900s. That is the worship of Satan. Now, here's what happened in the Tuskegee studies. Anybody know about this one? It's sad. The influence of population control advocates can be seen 
in this study, scientific research program, which 400 syphilis-infected black men were recruited by the U.S. Public Health Service in 1932. The participants were told that they would be treated for their infections, but instead had all effective medicine withheld. The black men were actively prevented from obtaining treatment elsewhere in their bodies, and the bodies of their wives and children were systematically ravaged by the disease. I'll have to start here, and you can look forward to me picking up here next Sunday. As we now, this is our U.S. government did. I think this was from uh, it lasted. It was from the 30s until it wasn't stopped till 70 or 72. This thing went on close to 40 years, I think. 30 to 40, no less than 30, but I'm thinking it was 40 years that our government took 400 black men and did tests on them about syphilis without them knowing it. Uh, actually, I got a little clip here, uh, a little saying in the next few slides, I got to stop, where Bill Clinton stood before Congress America and apologized for it. Said, we can't change it, but yeah, we did that and we're sorry. I think it's, I just, uh, I can't hardly think about it without weeping. I'll be very honest with you. So what does, am I, some people call me, Alan, you're, you're too conspiratorial. I'm like, I ain't even got to my conspiracies. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just doing the facts right now. I do have some, but I, I haven't gotten to them. Uh, there again, I, I'm not trying to, my, I see my job as until I get through these four horsemen. I see my job is to inform you so you're not ignorant. You test everything that I've said. You look it up. You can go right there if you want to know some of these names or books. or You can ask me and I'll get you the information. Just look it up for yourself. My point is our faith is not in man. I'm not trying to run down our country. I am trying to point out where we're wrong and have done bad things. And in a free country, we're supposed to be doing that. We're not supposed to shut up. We're supposed to speak. That's what we're supposed to. It's a free country. That's what, that's what keeps it free. That's right. And I, and I believe that God wants us to tell His truth. And we need to point out the atrocities that we've been a part of. So test what I say, and let's stand, and we'll go into our next part of the service. We'll have worship, the pastor, looking forward to hear from him. So Lord Jesus, be with us. Lord, I pray if anything that I've said has not been of you, that it would totally fall to the ground. And I ask and pray, oh God, if there's anything that I've said that's of you, I pray that we would look it up, we'd look at it, we would be as Bereans, we would grow, and then we'd not be ignorant of Satan's devices. My prayer and my hope, O oh God, is that this will cause us to trust you even more, not in man, not in our governments, but in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Dear God, more, the more we understand, the more we are impressed and excited that we're in your kingdom, that we're a member of your kingdom, that we're a member of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.